Good morning, Full Life Church. How's everybody doing this morning? Good, good, good. Nice to see you all. Glad you're here today. And can you do me a favor? Can you help us welcome those who are watching us online? We want to just say so thankful that you're watching us. You're here today. We hope you felt the presence of God right there where you are, like we have in the room. Well, before I go into the message today, I really want to just challenge you with uh, what Crystal just talked about, the, the Every Neighborhood Initiative. Tell you what, God put this on my heart a couple of years ago to pray over every neighborhood that's within uh, like a five-mile radius of our church. And so for five years, I've been doing that every day, calling those names out. And I felt like God said, you know what, let's take this a step further. Let's engage our church in this in initiative. And so I want to challenge you, take one of these guides today, because here's what's been happening already. We've had one family did theirs, and they already have a testimony of how God is moving in their neighborhood. We had one where the, the uh, lady lost her son, and nobody in their neighborhood knew about it. But because of this prayer walk, everybody began to rally around this lady in their neighborhood. So listen, when you take the time to proactively pray, I believe God starts to move. How many of you believe that? And so if you would today, just join us in this initiative. And here's what we would love to do. We'd love to hear your testimonies. And so what we want to do is the, this hashtag prayer driven. Use that hashtag to tell the story of how God is, is uh, using you and your prayer walk over your, your neighborhoods. Amen? And then lastly, this here is a sheet you can take if you'd like to take notes. We believe that, that God's word is really valuable. Amen? How I many you know it's transformational? God's word is transformational. And so take these, begin to take notes because we want you to go outside of these four walls and begin to live out God's word. Amen? You guys ready to hear God's word today? Yeah. All right, we're, so it's, it's crazy, but we're on week seven of our series we've been doing on Beatitudes. And well, I tell you, I don't know about you, but it's been challenging me. Has it been challenging anybody else as we've been studying these? I tell you what, it's been just really getting after me, but it's a, in a good way, amen? And so today's no different. And I just want to just kind of bring you up to speed about where we've been. Uh, every one of these Beatitudes starts with the word blessed. And Here's how we've identified that word. Maybe not in the sense that you maybe would think of, but that God is blessing those who, because of an inward joy of a relationship, not based on circumstances or whatever's happening outside here, but what's going on in here, you can be happy. Happy are those, or blessed are those who are doing whatever. First of all, we said that it's uh, being poor in spirit, where we understand our spiritual bankruptcy before God. We have nothing to bring to the relationship except for our faith, right? And then we said we're, we're meek and we're, we're mourning. Those who mourn are comforted. We said those who are meek have an inward strength that, you know, you can't really put your finger on, but it's because of what Christ did in our hearts. And then we said blessed are the merciful, those who extend mercy to those who really maybe don't deserve it, right? And maybe we don't deserve it sometimes, but we're, we're following Christ's example and being merciful for those who are, who are that. We also talked about those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. The Bible says they'll be filled, they'll be satisfied as they hunger and thirst for, for right living, for being like Jesus. Amen? And then we talked about uh, those who are pure in heart. That, that God, uh, that, but, but without God, there's a, there's a huge problem in our heart. Amen? Yeah. That, boy, things that come out without Christ are just bad. But as Christ transforms your heart through the gospel, through the Holy Spirit, 
you're able to live out and walk out a way that pleases God. Amen. And so today we're on week seven. And the cool thing about week seven is, is that the, the idea here is blessed are the peacemakers. Now, in the Jewish culture, the idea of peace is the highest ideal. It's the loftiest goal for life. And I think it's no accident that Jesus took and said, hey, this seventh beatitude, we're going to talk about peace. Because it really, it's really the idea of wholeness or completeness. And how I many you know what the number seven represents in the Bible? Anybody know? Completeness or perfection, right. And so it's no coincidence that Jesus chooses the idea of peace as number seven in his series to talk about really the ideal, the highest ideal is peace. And then maybe you're asking yourself the question, you know, what, what is peace really? And maybe some people have you formulated in your mind that it's the absence of something. Maybe it's the absence of war or conflict or the absence of anxiety or stress. Anybody been stressed or anxious lately? So we've had this in our minds, maybe this idea of what peace is. But can I challenge you to maybe look through a different lens in terms of peace? I mean, you're with me on that? That you're willing to look through a different lens? But, and so maybe it's not so much the absence of something, but it's the presence of God in our lives. And because we have the presence of Jesus, we can walk in peace. We can walk in completeness and wholeness because of our relationship with Christ. Does that help anybody today? And then the word maker. So it's peacemaker. And so the word maker is basically, it's an action. It's not passive. You know, we're not in the corner somewhere hoping that peace comes. No, the Bible says we're supposed to be peacemakers. Or we're going to do peace. Everybody say do peace. So you see how it's not a passive thing that God's asking us to do in terms of peace. It's very active and very assertive in nature. So he says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be the children of God. And so there's a difference between, maybe you've heard this idea of peacekeeping and peacemaking. Peacekeeping would be, we're hoping, right? We're praying that, that somehow this conflict will work out. We got our fingers crossed. We're over in the corner with our eyes closed. You know, hopefully it'll work out. How many know hope's not a strategy? So we're more about, we should be, and what Jesus is saying is, we should not be about peacekeeping. We should be about peacemaking in terms of, of really being people who carry peace with us. And so here's how we'll say it. The idea is we're on a mission for Christ to bring peace to a world that desperately needs it. How many of you agree the world needs some peace? It's chaotic. There's some crazy things happening. I tell you what, I think the world has done gone crazy. How I many you agree? And for us as followers of Jesus, this world being crazy and full of chaos presents an opportunity. It's not a problem we run from. It's a problem we run to. And, there, and here's the reason. Because we can carry peace with us. Amen. That's what today's about. Is us being that, that body of Christ... The Jesus followers who have made themselves uh, uh, available to Christ to carry peace to a world that so desperately needs it. And so maybe your question is, Pastor, how, how does that happen? How do we make this happen? How are we going to live this idea of being a peacemaker out? Well, I want us to talk about that for a minute, okay? And so if you're taking notes, 
the first thing you need to understand is that peacemakers, we ourselves experience peace with God. We experience peace with God. Well, pastor, what does that look like? Well, all you got to do is simply turn to the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? That it's the gospel that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, walked out of the tomb. It's that gospel that brings peace. Amen. And here's how Paul says it. Romans chapter 5. Here's what he says. If you'll read this with me. Therefore, since we have been made right. Everybody say right. Are you glad you've been made right in God's sight? How? Through your works? Through what you do? Not at all. Through faith. So by faith, you have been made right in God's sight. And watch this. Here's the, here's the outcome of placing your faith in Christ's finished work. You have the peace. Go back to that first verse, please. Thank you. We have peace with who? Everybody say it. Peace with God because of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and what he's done for us. That's good news. And then verse 2 tells us this. Verse 2. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege. That's grace. Getting what you didn't deserve is grace. A place of undeserved privilege where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So if you want peace with God, it's as simple as placing your faith in what Jesus did at the cross. Can I get an amen today? That is good news. And as a peacemaker, as one who carries peace, that's your first step. You have to come into a relationship with Jesus in order for you to be a peacemaker. So Christ came to offer this peace through his sacrifice. And the beauty of this is, folks, that remember what we said in week one where we were spiritually bankrupt? That's really what poor in spirit is. We recognize that we're spiritually bankrupt. That the debt we, could, we have, we can't pay it. But Jesus was willing to pay it. Amen. And then the beauty of this, the idea of the, the incarnation, we call it, we celebrate it at Christmas, right? Where we celebrate the fact that God, Emmanuel, God, put on human flesh, born in a manger, and grew up to die on the cross. So we understand that. And then the beauty of that is, is when we see how much, how, how in love with you God is, to go to those great lengths, man, like we said earlier, it's, it's worship, right? We begin to thank God for what he's done. And so we have peace with God because God was willing to take the initiative. He was a peacemaker. He was assertive in that he came and died on the cross. Does that make sense? So we follow his example by doing this ourselves. And we understand that the relationship that was tarnished, that was Messed up because of our own sin, Christ came and reconciled. He restored, and he, here's what he did. He brought us peace with God. I love how Isaiah describes it. We read this a lot of times around Easter. Isaiah 53 describes what we call the suffering servant, where Jesus, I mean, Isaiah prophesies Jesus sacrificed his suffering. And we notice in verse 5 it says, but he was pierced for our transgression. In other words, he took nails in his hands and his feet. He took a spear in his side for our sins, right? He was crushed for our iniquities. 
And watch this. The punishment that brought us what? The punishment that brought us peace. What Jesus did brought us peace. That's, that's, a, that's a pretty good exchange, isn't it? The punishment that brought us peace was on him. He bore the load. He took the weight of it. He was proactive. He was assertive in bringing peace. And by his wounds, you are healed. What? Anybody else thankful for that? The punishment. I, I need you to get this, folks. The punishment, the suffering that brought you peace was on him. And he came as a peacemaker to extend that peace. He says, be reconciled to God. Amen. Through his death on the cross. So that's the peace with God. You have to have it in order to be a peacemaker. Amen. But that's not all there is in terms of peace. Then you can have the peace of God. Amen. So here's, here's how this works. Peacemakers not only experience peace with God, they experience the peace of God. Everybody say it. Peace of God. What's the difference? Well, the difference is the moment you confess Christ, the relationship that you have with God that was broken has been reconciled, and you're in right standing with God. You have a relationship with him now. And then what happens is as you're walking in your journey to be like Christ, there's going to be some trials. How I many you know there's going to be some hard times every once in a while? I'll say it this way. I said it to the first service. Some of you say, well, I'm not in a trial right now. Well, just hold on. Because here's the truth. You're either walking out of one or you're walking into one. Amen? That's how this works. Well, pastor, I thought it was, you know, a Christian walk was easy. It's not easy. And God never promised that you wouldn't have any problems. I don't know where that, that notion came from, but it's not biblical for sure. And so when you have peace with God because of what Jesus did, you can have the peace of God through anything that you face. And Jesus is very clear with that. And then we have an opportunity to experience this peace of God and as we're going through trials. And so Paul demonstrates this, talks to us about this in Philippians 4, and he says this. He says, don't worry about anything. Anybody done any worrying lately? I see hands going up. Those of you that aren't worrying, we need to sit down and talk to you. Because obviously you're experiencing the peace of God to a level that we need, right? I'm kidding. Don't worry about anything. Instead, what, what's, what's the remedy for worrying? Or what's the, what do you do instead of worrying? Pray about everything. Tell God what you need. That's called petitions. You, you're sharing with God what, what you need. And then you thank him for all he's done. You, you look back and you see, wow, God, you, you took care of me there. And you answered that prayer there. And so you look back with thanksgiving on what God's done. But it also has you looking forward, praising God for what you haven't seen yet. Amen? So then here's the outcome of exchanging worry with prayer. What's the outcome? You'll experience the peace of God. Right? The peace of God, 
which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will do what? It'll guard your heart. Remember, your heart is the seat of your emotions, your desires. It'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ. As you walk with Christ, you can experience the peace of God. Now, as I, I was looking at this and, and noticing that there, there are times when in our lives that we experience these trials and for us you know maybe they're not uh, some of us you know some of you are facing some pretty heavy things but sometimes it's the small things that compound that really can rob us of peace is any can anybody testify to that and I'm reminded of, of what Jesus said in in John 16 33 he said you know in this world right What's going to happen? You'll have tribulation, right? But watch what he says. I've told you all this so that you may have peace where? In yourself? No, in me, in Christ, you're going to have peace. And you're going to have trials. You're going to have sorrows. You're going to face stuff. But be of good cheer or take heart. What? I have overcome the world. In other words, there's nothing you're facing right now that God can't handle. There's nothing you can face right now that God's not actually um, a, a part of and walking you through. Now, he doesn't always bring the bad, does he? He doesn't bring bad, but he gives you good out of the bad. Y'all with me? And so you can, as you're walking in fellowship with Jesus, you can have peace even though the storms are howling around you. You still have peace. Amen. And again, like I said, it's the small things. And so can I give you some just... Some things lately in my own life that, that if I'm not careful, could rob me of peace. And these are, these are, I call them first world problems. Anybody have any first world problems? All right, so a few weeks ago, about a month or so ago, uh, on a Thursday night, I was going out to, I like to grill. Anybody like to grill? So I'm going out to grill and take the cover off my grill, and I open up the grill, and there's this rat just runs right out. I'm ooh. I mean, I, I got, you get asked, Lord, I got so sick, I'm like, I can't even hardly eat. And needless to say, I didn't cook on it, right? But the next day, man, I took that thing apart. I, I had my, my uh, big bucket of, of soapy water, and I, I cleaned that sucker. Man, I had it clean, and the next day, there they were again. I was so mad. First world problem. But I'm not done. So... I go outside a few days later, I push the button on my garage door, and it goes, eh, eh, and I'm like, let me push it again. Eh, eh. <laughs> the belt had messed up on my garage door, I had to replace it. A couple of days later, I'm not done. I, go, I take my, my car to, the, to get the oil changed, and hey, uh, Lance, you, got, you need brakes all around your car. Take Lori's car. You need back brakes. I'm like, are you kidding me right now? I'm not done. So back in January, we replaced our refrigerator and our dishwasher, right? Brand new dishwasher, less, about, about eight, nine months old. Go to do the dishes. Open it up. Nothing. Are you kidding me? This week, we, we got this awesome pickleball group we started this semester. We're having a blast, as a matter of fact. If you've not joined the group, you can join our pickleball group. So Lori's out there. She's actually leading the group. I'm helping her. She's out there, you know, instructing, helping the newbies. And then she says, I'm going to play a game. It's kind of chilly. So she's playing, and she hears this pop 
and she tears her calf muscle. Now, I don't know if you noticed she was wearing a dress today, and I, uh, she, she's going to kill me. She's, act, she's actually back right there. We had this discussion this morning. I'm like, why are you wearing a dress? I don't want them to see my boot. I'm like, what? They know you're hurt. What's the matter? Anyway, that's why she's wearing a dress, folks, anyway. But all those things, they're not really that big of a deal by themselves, right? But compounding can rob you of peace. Now, again, some of you are facing some way harder circumstances than that. And it's like nothing. That's why I call it first world problems. But you, you notice how it does weigh on you a little bit. But again, Jesus didn't, he didn't promise your life was going to always be rosy. But he did promise peace in the middle of it. Amen. So if you're facing some storms and trials of life, don't forget, God is with you. As a matter of fact, here's what he says as he was leaving his disciples after his, his death and resurrection. Here's what he says. I am leaving you with a, everybody say gift. What's the gift? Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift that the world can't give you. And here's what he says. So don't be afraid. Don't worry. Don't be anxious. Because here's my peace. He's offering it to you today. But here's the problem. Some of you are looking other places for peace. I've been guilty. You're looking for maybe your bank account to offer you peace. It doesn't do it, folks. Maybe you're, offering, you're, you're looking to that job promotion to bring you peace. It doesn't happen, does it? Those things aren't bad. They're not. But they will not bring you lasting peace. Only a relationship with Jesus Christ will bring you lasting peace. Amen. Now, here's, here's the kicker. So we move from... Uh, the, uh, those of us who are going to be peacemakers, we have peace with God because of what Jesus did. We have the peace of God because we know we're walking in relationship with him. And he brings it as we pray, as we bring our requests, as we thank him. We have the peace of God. So we move to the proactive part of this, the peacemaker part, where as number three, we proactively extend this peace that we've experienced to the world. And we've already noted the world's in chaos, haven't we? So they desperately need this peace that we can offer. And I believe James gives us a clear picture of what to do. Here, watch this. He says, those who are peacemakers, what do they do? They plant seeds of peace. And there's a harvest of righteousness. Now, I've never seen a person who wants to plant a garden ever just sit at the house on the couch saying, you know what? Them seeds are going to plant themselves, right? So here's the idea. We have to proactively do it because we have it. Amen? And so we're, we're sowing seeds of peace. Tomorrow morning when you get up and you go to work, you have an opportunity to do what? To sow seeds of peace. Why? Because you have peace with God and you have the peace of God. You got something to give, amen? So I'll say it this way. You cannot give what you do not have. Good? So we have to be willing, opportunistic about being sowers of peace to a world that needs it so desperately. We need to run to the world. 
We need to run to the world and be on mission, this mission that Christ has given us to sow peace. But here's, here's the problem. Pastor, But I thought we weren't supposed to be like the world. We're not supposed to be like the world. Jesus said it this way, be in the world, but not of the world. You notice what I'm saying? So it's not that you're going to go hide in a cave somewhere and, ho- and wait till Jesus comes back because you don't want to be around the world. No, we're actively going to the world and spreading or sowing peace because we have it right here. Amen. I love it because... As we're looking at this idea of being a peacemaker, proactively extending peace to the world, we understand that the real enemy is not that person who's driving you crazy. It's not that neighbor or your wife or your husband or your uncle. They're not the enemy. Who's the enemy? The enemy is Satan himself because we're reminded in the scripture over and over again, we are in a spiritual battle. Amen. And so because we're in a spiritual battle, we have to understand and discern and focus on the real enemy. What's his name? John 10 gives us this clear picture of him as being our enemy. He is the the enemy of your peace. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. What is he trying to kill? He's trying to steal you of your joy. He's trying to steal you of peace. Amen? He's trying to kill all of that in you. He's your real enemy, but I love the last part of this, which is really what we base the life of our church on, the promise that Jesus made, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full, amen? That's what he offers you today. So our real enemy is not our neighbor, it's not our, that person, it's the enemy himself, Satan, who wants to rob you of peace. You got to understand that. You got to have a clear picture of that if you want to be a peacemaker, and so the idea that, that we're going to live in the full life, the completeness. Remember we said the, the, the idea of peace is completeness and wholeness. That's a journey, is it not? It's actually a constant journey. And as we're walking this journey, we see people through the lens that God sees them. That's hard sometimes when people aren't acting like they should. When they're misbehaving, isn't it hard to see them as created in the image of God? But that's exactly how we need to see them. We need to look through God's lens because the very first chapter of the very first book of the Bible, here's what the Bible says. God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created. So what's the idea? When I understand that every person that I come in contact with is created in the image of God, I have an opportunity to see them differently. I have an opportunity to see their value and their worth, why God put them on planet Earth. And you know what that does? It changes the way I treat them. The way I view them changes the way I treat them. Are you all with me? So I see them through a different lens, through the lens that God sees them, that he Remember what he did, he clothed himself in flesh and he went to the cross. And as the Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that whosoever, he didn't say a few, what did he say? Whosoever. I love the world. And so we've got to see them that way. 
And the reason I do, I mention that is because if you're going to be a, a sower of peace, you've got to see value in people and you'll treat them differently. Which means you're going to proactively, this is the fun part, you're going to proactively resolve conflict. Ooh. Remember, we're not peacekeepers. What are we? Say it loud. So if you're going to see, like let's say, for instance, me and Tony. If, if Tony and I had a conflict, if I'm a peacekeeper, I'm going to say, man, I hope it works out with Tony. I'm not going to say anything to him, but I hope it works out. No, I'm a peacekeeper. I got the peace of God on the inside of me, so here's what I'm going to do. Hey, Tony, let's, me and you, let's, sit, let's sit down, let's talk. I love you. You're my brother. You're my friend. We need to get this worked out. That's a peacekeeper. And then we sit down and talk. And we, because I see him differently, I see him through the lens of, of, of somebody that God loves, the way I talk to him, the way we handle that conflict actually will lead to our relationship being strengthened. But if I never become a peacekeeper, I mean a peacemaker, by picking up the phone, it won't happen. Y'all follow me? And so too many times, because we were trying to keep peace, we don't do that. And here's what happens. It gets worse. Has anybody ever had that experience where you, you neglected a conflict resolution and just blew up in your face? Every hand should go up because I know you've been guilty. I've done it. I've avoided a problem. And I, didn't, I wasn't a peacemaker. But you know what? When we do thing, things God's way, it works. Because the Bible tells us, Jesus clearly says, if a brother offends you, talk to them. Sit down, talk about it. If it doesn't work, then bring some other people in to help mediate it. If that doesn't work, bring the church in to help mediate. The, but there's always proactivity in solving the conflict. Here's what I'll go this far as to say that, that churches, listen to me, churches have split because there was an unwillingness for the pastor or the leadership or whoever else to be a peacemaker. Amen. Amen. And so here's what's got to happen. We have to say, I'm scared. Has anybody ever gone into a conversation scared to death? Every time? Every time I've had to have a conversation a hard conversation. My heart's going, Brrr. amen? But you know what? You do it anyway because you're committed to being a peacemaker. What are you doing? You're sowing seeds of peace. And then you help other people do the same thing. Maybe you know somebody right now, these these two parties that don't talk to each other anymore, they're not willing, and you step in and you say, you know what, we got to get this fixed, amen? Now, I get it. You can't always fix the problem because the parties have to be willing, amen? And I love this because Paul gives us this advice with that in mind in Romans 12, 18. Watch this. He says, if it is possible, in other words, there's a chance that your efforts will fall on deaf ears, right? What does he say? If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, there's your responsibility, right? As it depends on you. Turn to your neighbor and say, it depends on you. Tell them. You got a responsibility to do what? To live at peace with everyone. With the understanding that not everybody's going to want to do that too. So here's what I'll say to you. 
You be the peacemaker. You be the one who is assertive and, and initiated. If they don't want to accept it, that's on them, folks. And you can rest at night knowing that you did what, what it took to be a peacemaker. You, did, you said, you know what, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to sow seeds of peace. Amen. Here's another one. Make Jesus and your relationship with Christ the priority. Amen? What do I mean by that? I've said it a few minutes ago. The full life, it's a constant journey. So the moment you place your faith in Christ and his work on the cross, we've already established there's peace with God. It's just as if you'd never sinned at all. That's good news. But then from there, it's, it's next steps of a journey to make Jesus the Lord of your life. Here's how I say it. Jesus is the ideal, right? You look to him as the one who was perfect. How many know Jesus was perfect? And so you're looking to him, man, I'm looking at for perfection and I'm striving to be like him. How many know you don't always get there? How many of you messed up this week? Thank God for mercy and grace, Amen. But, but it doesn't, listen to what me, folks, it doesn't stop me. Every time I mess up, it doesn't stop me from striving to be like him. Amen? So my focus is never on my circumstances. It's never on, on what I can't, can or can't do. The Bible says that my eyes are fixed on Jesus. He's the author. He's the finisher. He's the perfecter of my faith. Amen? So when my priority and my focus are on him, what I'll walk in, what's the natural outcome? Y'all want to whisper it? When your focus is on Him, when your priority is on Him, you get peace. I love this. There was an illustration that I saw in a message. Because the world is so, so chaotic, and obviously we can't be everywhere at the same time, but if you if you've ever pictured a wagon wheel, it has spokes, right? But it has a central axle kind of deal right in the middle. And if you pictured all of us being the outward part of that wheel. And I'm over here on this side of the wheel. And maybe somebody over in Africa is on this side of the wheel. Maybe I'll never meet them. Or maybe even the people across the street from you. You're, you're on opposite sides of the relationship. But you know how you can grow closer? Where's your focus? The middle part of that wheel. Jesus is the central part of that. And as you focus on Christ, guess what? You grow closer together. Does that make sense? And so that's what we're trying to do. And here's what, here's what we'll say. Here at, at Full Life Church, our, our goal, our intention is that you live a full life in Christ. And that's a constant journey. But here's, what, here's my challenge. I did this back in June. I said it a few weeks ago. I'll continue to challenge you. Listen, dive in fully to the life of our church what do you got to lose folks if you're, all you're doing is coming on Sunday and you're only here just a few weeks uh, uh, a few times a month or whatever up up the ante come every week bring your kids get them involved in kids ministry get your kids involved in students join a group take it a next step why I challenge you I believe that if you'll do that you and I you and I will be able to be sowers of peace. Come to growth track. 
Discover your God-given purpose. Begin to use the gifts and talents God's given you to serve somewhere in our church. Maybe you're a singer or a musician. Maybe you, you love greeting people. Or you love babies and kids and, or students. And you just want to give. You want to be a 1010 team member. Amen? This is my challenge. If you don't, if, if at the end of that you're unhappy, me and you will go find somewhere else to go to church together. How's that? I believe. That if you'll be intentional about this and get involved and take those next steps, God will begin to work in you in ways you never imagined. And the peace of God will fill your heart. Because why? Because you're sowing. What are you doing? You're sowing seeds of peace. Amen? You're being proactive. And then I go back to what we talked about earlier. This every neighborhood initiative. You know what that is? That's an opportunity for you to sow peace. Because here's what you can do in your prayer. As you're walking through this guide, as you're doing these prayer walks, you can stop, stop out in front of a house. Because I guarantee you, folks, there are people that live right around you whose marriages are in shambles. Amen. Whose children, they don't know where they are. Or they're strung out or hung, on, hung up on drugs. And they need an answer. They don't have peace. Or maybe, maybe their health is waning and they've just got some bad news. They need some peace. Amen. And then I guarantee you there are people in your neighborhood who are far from God who have not experienced that first one. They've never experienced peace with God. So here's your opportunity to sow seeds of peace by going around your neighborhood praying. Maybe you'll stop in front of a house and say, you know, Lord, would you, just, would you extend peace to this family right now in Jesus' name? Y'all with me? This is an opportunity for you to be a sower of peace. And it's very practical. It's so easy to follow. Amen. How many of you with me? Amen. Pastor, I'm going to do this. I don't, but I don't have a neighborhood. Go find somebody that does and do it with them. Amen. I promise you, as you're sowing peace, you're going to bring peace to the world. Here's the last point as we close. Peacemakers, they're committed to this ministry of reconciliation. Remember the very first point? You've already, you have peace with God. Your, your relationship with Jesus has already been restored to peace. Are you glad for that today? And so what, what Jesus is saying, why don't you take it a next step and then you offer that same ministry, the same message that, that you heard and you received. So we call it the ministry of reconciliation. Paul says it this way, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's what he says. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Watch this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's what? A new creature. In other words, Jesus has done this amazing work of salvation in your heart, taking you from being an enemy to a, a son or daughter of God. The old is gone, the new is here. And then watch what he says. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. And what did he do? He gave you the ministry of reconciliation. Who's the us in that picture? Yeah, us. Every follower of Jesus, God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. And then he describes what it looks like. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ 
Not counting people's sins against them. Anybody glad for that today? Celebrate the fact that your sins are forgiven. Come on, give him a hand. Are you glad? Some of you don't look like you're too glad. I'm glad. And then he says, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's, what are we? Warriors. No, he says, what is he? He uses a word here. What word? Ambassadors. As though God were making this appeal. In other words, folks, you are, you are God's mouthpiece in the world. We implore you. That's proactive, isn't it? That's pretty assertive. We implore you on God's behalf, on Christ's behalf. What's the message? Say it with me. Be reconciled to God. In other words, have peace with God. Now, ambassadors, I want us to kind of look at that term. Any time an ambassador goes to another country to have dealings, is it ever him going in and, and really just with a sword or a, a gun? No. no. What is it? It's, it's with goodwill. And here's what he does. He brings an olive branch. What does an olive branch represent? Anybody know what an olive branch represents? Peace. So as God's ambassadors, we go to the world that's in chaos, that's not experiencing peace, and we hold out this olive branch, this message that Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died a cruel death on the cross, walked out of the tomb. We hold that out to them, say, have peace. That's our responsibility. Remember, those who, what do we say? Those who sow peace, reap. That's what our job is. Our responsibility as peacekeepers is to sow seeds of, of peace so that there's a harvest of right standing with God. Amen. Does that make sense to anybody today? As a peacemaker, you have been called to bring that kind of peace to the world. Why? Because you've experienced it yourself. So as we close this out, number one, experience peace with God. Here's how. By placing your faith in Christ's finished work. If you've not done that, in just a few minutes, you're going to have an opportunity to do that. Number two, Experience the peace of God by spending time with him. How often? Every day. In his word. Praying and thanking him for what he's done. Remember what Paul told us. Right? Number three. Be a peacemaker by doing what? By proactively. Sit down. Maybe some of you today, when you leave, you need to go pick up the phone. And you need to have a conversation. Even though you might, you might be scared to death, remember, what do you have? You have peace. Proactively resolve conflict. And then lastly, be a peacemaker by living out your faith. You're a follower of Jesus. You have the peace of God. You have peace with God. Live it out. And then here's the message. What's the message? Be reconciled to God. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's service. We pray that God has used this moment to greatly impact your life. We invite you to live fully alive in Christ with us here at Full Life Church. We'll see you next week.